Hi, everybody, and thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode 108 of the Wonder Hills podcast, the one where we talk to David Lippman from Super Sapiens. The Run to the Hills podcast is sponsored by J-Charge. J-Charge make nutritious, tasty, and easy di- easily digestible flapjacks and nut butters, including a dis- delicious vegan range. Go and check them out at www.jcharge.co.uk. <clears throat> oh, look at the crookie, Eddie. I've been cooking all morning. Best, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> an old cat butcher on me. Husky. <laughs> I need a big, a big swig. You keep carrying this pint of water around with you, and it, you can't actually, when we're interviewing guests, it looks like you're just standing in the pub with a pint. A yeah, I've got that casual. And you're just over. casually clutching it to your chest, starting to sway. <laughs> it's when it, uh, the water is replaced by alcohol. That's when, <laughs> you know, I'm on the screen. scary. I'm not judging. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't judge on this uh, podcast. How are you doing, Eddie? You've been racing. We had a bit of a chat about that. <laughs> oh, my God. The whole week basically was ruined by myself. Mm. I woke up on Tuesday morning with the sorest of throats, and I was like, oh, no, I can't believe it. My debut into the swift racing world, and I've got such a sore throat. What, what, what would have been the sensible thing to do? Maybe, you know, not do it and have an early night? Oh, no. That's not us on this podcast, is it? No. <laughs> As my smallest child says, I'm not a quitter. Oh, no, I'm not a quitter. Uh, so I just ignored it and I did an easy run in the morning. I've done hill reps on the Monday. <clears throat> so I was a little bit tired. Did an easy, easy run in the morning and then uh, got myself. I mean, just the logistics of trying to do something in the evening with three kids, trying to get them into bed, and everything was all a bit stressful. And I don't know why I got really nervous. <laughs> really nervous. You will, yeah. Why? It's just it's just pushing pedals on a bike <laughs> for an hour. I get anyway. just before I start, before park runs, or any kind of race <laughs> scenario. But it was good in that situation because I haven't done a race for a long time. I was like, oh god, I'd forgotten I was going. Um, and I was a little bit. I started pushing the pedals, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so my thighs have not <laughs> got what they need. <laughs> I am so tired, so I couldn't even really bring myself to a warm up. Lesson one, tonight I'm doing a better warm-up before I start these races. So uh, the race started, it was basically like an undulating course with a couple of climbs, lots of up and down. And then at the end, there was like a 20-minute hill climb. So you just had to basically, it was like you'd cycled for 40 minutes and then basically it was 20 minutes at your 20 minute power to get up this hill, which actually for me was my best bit. Um, We started off and... I hadn't realized, I don't think how bad my cold was because you have to start the first five minutes of these races, a red line, you have got, you go as hard as you can. To to stay with the pack, is that? Yeah, to stay with the pack. And if you're with the pack, you are a little, you are about five beats lower on that heart, on that threshold heart rate. That's super Because you get, yeah, so you can stay there. If the minute you come off the back of that pack, you're out. You can't catch up. There's no way you could catch up. You can't push that sort of power to catch up. And then it's a mandala. So I was on this, I got in the pack, we cycled off and my heart rate went to one, six, eight within a minute, considering like one, six, three is like my really, my three minute, like really hard. 
I I literally tried to get breath into my lungs and it wouldn't go in. And oh, I had almost God. a little bit of an anxiety. I was like, <gasps> oh, wow. It was horrible. <laughs> I'm hoping it was just because the cold had. Anyway, this and anyway, I got dropped after maybe like two minutes, fell off the back of the pack, man down. There's nothing you can do. So I I was like, what do I do? And that's five minutes. It's an hour-long race. This looks oh. this is gonna be 55 minutes by myself pedaling in a dark room as hard as I could. Why? And I had a moment. I was like, why am I doing this? Anyway, then you can see on this little map thing that there's people still behind you. I wasn't last. So I sort of just pedaled and let people come up, wait, catch up. And then you can sort of work as a team. So about three or four of us then for the rest of the race. So it wasn't as bad. Super technical, isn't it? Zwift. I love this drafting. And oh my God. Way. I'm not very good at it. And um, so we sort of worked together all the way and then I raced up the hill and that's, that was fab. And just keeping that heart rate five beats lower i was still able to breathe and didn't come last i didn't come let's say it was a solid b plus effort i I didn't even look at the results because i don't want to be that sad Um, i think i was about 40th out of about 62 dropped yeah like it's just useless as soon as you dropped it's just useless so i tried my best that's all did they invite you back I, well, they can't drop me because I think they, um, you know, <laughs> the fourth counter. Um, I'm going again tonight. I'm going to try and do a little bit better. I've, I've, I've uh, taken so then the cold, having pushed that was hard. That as, as even though I backed off, it was a really hard effort. Yeah. I eventually went to sleep at half past four the next morning. Oh, I could not get to sleep. I was like. I didn't finish until nearly 10 o'clock at night here. Yeah. And so by the time I'd like felt like Alicia McColgan, by the time I'd been through <laughs> drug testing, rehydrated, couldn't eat. And then about midnight, I was like, oh my God, I'm starving. Yeah. Um, and and then the cold like hit in. And so it was a bit, it was a bit of a stupid thing to do because then I spent Wednesday absolutely exhausted and this wrecked Wednesday and Thursday I managed to train but I felt hot train I didn't train I just so went half out. four though what your what time did you, my alarm clocks goes up half between six, six and half, oh, half six mm. it was awful I was like leaning against the window saying goodbye to my eldest she goes off to get the bus going oh my god but once I'm up again I just couldn't get back to sleep yeah I just had to suck it up and Bryn was like it's your own fault um 100%. Yeah, 100% my own fault. And so it took, it did wipe me out and then the cold overtook my body. It wasn't just your normal cold. It was like a re- really it was sort of a fluey. Normally I can brush off a cold, but this yeah. was epic. Still got the remnants of it now. Definitely made worse by the fact I pushed so hard. So I backed right off Wednesday, Thursday, and then my long run, I was like, oh, should I go and do a long run? Is this a good idea? So I did a sort of couple of hours, showed willing long run, and then had a really easy weekend. Feel much better now. Cool. I've done hill reps again before this race yesterday. Cap the heart rate. But what I've done today in preparation is I've just eaten my main meal. So I've eaten the calories. So I'm just trying to set myself up for the recovery tomorrow because I didn't eat enough the the last week. And I'm just going to do my best. I'm going to get dropped again. There's, There's nobody else in those races running between 12 and 15 hours a week as well and trying to, so they've got to be what they've got to be. But I really enjoyed it. And I was like, is this, 
is this helpful for my fitness? So actually, if you looked at it like in Killian's terms, I don't know if you've read his like training diary. I'm sure lots of people are listening. No. It's not a good idea. It's got no like training, physical training benefits apart from making me tired, basically. Okay, interesting. But the other, the bits of like a bit of pre-race thinking, getting nervous and also... I can't push myself that hard running anymore. I cannot yeah. push myself hard unless I did a race and there's no, I can't do a race. Anymore. So to have that little scope every week to actually get that heart rate right up and then hold it when every fiber of your body is screaming, yeah. slow down, slow down. Even if just this week I hold it for another 30 seconds yeah. and then I explode at the back of the pack. I think that like mental strength is massive and it reminds me as I sort of allude to and you sort of know that I am a racer and that I love this sort of shadizzle and that I love, I love the pain. I love that. And I sort of forgotten that a bit over the past yeah. few years. So that I think is good. So I'm bringing that to the table, even though then I spend the next 24 hours going, Oh my God, my thighs. Um, so it's good not- I think you're right. You may be from a physiological point of view, no benefits apart from more <laughs> fatigue, but from a, like a mindset and just get race ready. And- I mean, I spend like nearly 99% of my training I'm by myself. Nobody has any interest in it. I just go yeah. out and do stuff. The highlight is uploading it onto Strava, um, like most of us, you know, don't. So like just a little bit of teamwork, a little bit of chat. Yeah. It's all different. It's something different. So I'm going to embrace it. I'm not sure how it's going to transfer once I really get into some of those big days, spine big days. Yeah. Um, but it has made me more mindful about my recovery runs. I've been like religiously wearing my heart rate monitor, whereas normally I would just go out and run to feel and it would be what it would be. Yeah. And now I'm like, slow right down. You've got to less heartbeats, less heartbeats. You've got to slow down. So some ways that's good. So mm-hmm. it was fun in a terrible sort of, I'm dreading doing this again. <laughs> I'm just hoping that now it's a little bit easier to without the cold and it doesn't wipe me out so much because I'm, I'm single parenting this week as well. So I'm just going to have to go. Kids go to bed. Mummy cannot come out and just hope they're all asleep by the time I get off my bike. And that's it. I don't think I've got any other podcast news um, apart from the fact I had to run in gloves this morning. Yeah, we just chatted about that. I've got on my old uh, La Sportiva Gilet, which I wear for every single run in the winter. Still smells as good. How many years has that been going for? (laughs) It must be my seventh year now of wearing it. And I put my hand in and there was an old dog biscuit in there that was all... (laughs) (laughs) Still smells just as good, but it still works. And let's face it, I mean, the only people that see me in it are the dogs. So if it's a bit whiffy, it keeps people away. That's fine. It's in a bit of five for this. It must be... It's got to be seven years. I've never actually run a mile in it, but it's just, it's my favourite uh, kind of casual, sports casual top. I love it. Oh, it's casual. <laughs> right. What about you? What's happening? What's occurring, Gary? Yeah, the first thing I should do, Eddie, is give a shout out to previous guests of the show, Dan and Boff. I think episode 92, all the way back then, uh, they their show, These Hills Are Ours, is actually out on the road now. So yeah, go and check out danielby.co.uk uh, for future dates tonight, or the, sorry, this weekend. Um, Barry St. Edmunds and Didcot London Farm. It's just, my goodness, it's the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 26th, 27th. So they are busy. But yeah, check out danielby.co.uk for some more information regarding that tour. But running wise, bit of a 
funny week. I did my 2020 with Neil. That was always good. Then we did three times 10 minutes on the Thursday. Again, that was another, that was a good session. There was four of us out there doing that. So I enjoyed that. And it was either basically the four times eight minutes or the three times 10 minutes. And um, because it was two minutes less of running, hard running, we did the three times. Uh, <laughs> I, did, the three- I had the same for my hill reps yesterday. It's like, should I do three times 10 or four times eight? And I was like, it's much easier to get head around three sets or something than four. Yeah. I don't know why I could, I could comprehend 10, uh, 10 minutes and three of it seemed like, okay, that's fine. But then what I did do on Saturday, cause then that puts the, the three quality sessions in a long run. It really is a lot for the week. So what I did on Saturday, I did a medium long run, but instead of do, it was three times eight minutes, but it wasn't at that threshold pace. I brought it back to say marathon efforts, which varied from seven minute mile to an eight minute mile, depending on the terrain. So kind of felt like I chickened out from the hard workout, but it was still, it was still 12 miles. So it was a classic medium long run, but then with four eight minute surges, I suppose is the best way to describe. But then, yeah, then on the Sunday, we did, it was an easy uh, effort, but then that was 15, 16 miles on the Sunday. So I really did feel tired. And I looked at my mileage for the week and I think it was about 80 miles. So that's quite a lot for me at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Big jump up. I really enjoy that um, coastal loop with Rex, but there's a little bit of railway lines where I live which I must be the local legend on some of those segments. I need to move you away. Are, you are. I know you are. <laughs> I need to uh, change up the, the trails because, yeah, as much as I like it, you know. Does anybody really like those local legend things? Don't they just make you feel a bit sad because you're like, oh, God, how many times have I run? <laughs> of course, the path next to you outside your house, if it's got a segment on, then you're going to become, I don't yeah. get the point of them. What, Strava, what is the point of them? Well, it's for people, legend. I suppose, who can't get comms and stuff anymore isn't it um they don't come past they don't come along very often from at all i don't think but yeah it's a it's a nice little good what i thought was um interesting last year when i was over the lakes quite a lot doing um bob graham and so the year before and lakeland training sometimes i get a local legend on a fell in the lake district which i thought was wild considering i was traveling <laughs> from the northeast to go over and, and do that but yeah running wise so that was quite good i think about all in all i cooked up i completely forgot to do one of my strength sessions so i did that yesterday i know i was sitting there sunday night thinking oh i've not done me uh glutes and glutes and thighs or not done my back crack and <laughs> and i had a belly full of conflict tart and custard so i had to, i just couldn't couldn't do it i wouldn't have been good so yeah i rolled that over to monday which i did so i've got three sessions to do this week but i'm finding just a lot of um you know you talk about it when you're getting in the evenings and the kids are doing this and that and we just chatted with uh, Alison Walker and the juggle of work and wanting to train and I'm this week I think it's this bloody vlog <laughs> it's like something you know you work 40 hours a week and then as a you know I, I'm definitely not a, like a, a high level athlete but I do a lot of exercise so roughly 18 to 20 hours so there's say 60 hours then the vlog and then the podcast, it's like, wow, all this time. And I really felt it this week, actually. So um, I might just have a bit of time out from the vlog just to grab back Your a bit. Your audience of... hungry, Gary. I think that's fine. Gets... <laughs> well, I enjoy it. I do enjoy it. But then it, uh, it just puts pressure to, to, you know, to try and get something out on time. Uh, so, yeah, I just need to, I think I'm going to 
probably uh, pause that. I'm uh, just trying to get a bit of time back. But it's all self, you know, I see this. I'm not mourning. It's all self-inflicted. Nobody's forcing me to do it. It's like the swift racing. It's yeah. all self-inflicted. <laughs> Sometimes I would like, if you're feeling like this so much, you just have to let something drop down a little bit. Yeah. But it's yeah. hard when we're athletes and we're, uh, you know, we joke about saying the Barlow for, for um, <laughs> and always achieving, but not really. We want to, you know, if we say we do, we'll do something, you want to do it to the best you can, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, even I feel guilty, like parenting, if I cut corners parenting or haven't cooked the kids, you know, I make them like snacks for tea and I haven't cooked a proper meal or yeah. haven't done the laundry, folded it properly and put it away. And I've just, I then beat myself up. And I'm, sometimes I'm like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Go, Eddie. Yeah. It's your own level of like just thinking that if it's not done like that, what's going to happen? Yeah, what's going to happen? But so the, the 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 vlog is like you know if I didn't run, that would just send me insane. Well, oh, did, did... that's non-negotiable. <laughs> we never drop that. <laughs> it's interesting, you know. We're, um, it maybe doesn't have to be running. It could be something else. But exercise is a fundamental part. Obviously, work and things pay the bills. So the thing that is a complete indulgence um and i suppose my hobby outside of running is the vlog and the youtube so that will have to pause i couldn't do that at the and sacrifice some runs that would send me into turmoil so i think the thing is when you go over that 10 hours worth of exercise a week i find other stuff has to be sacrificed yeah. i can't really have a social life and i know lots of parents who are running stuff because there's not the time there's not the energy if you want if you want your slot your running slot you yeah. can't get all oh, also i'm going to go down to the uh, pub and i'll be out you know yeah. all my slots are basically out the door and running yeah. again that's my choice and i wouldn't change it but um it does narrow down sometimes and then that narrowing down can feel a little bit stressful so and when you've got a big goal you know yourself with uh spine and late 100 i don't want to be finishing that run and going if only I'd done less vlogging. <laughs> <laughs> I might have got what I wanted out of this race. If only I'd done less laundry folding, the spine would have gone better. Maybe that's what I need to tell myself. So, yeah, it sounds like I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a downer. It's not the case. I just um, need a you bit of... You just felt the pressure last week. I did feel the pressure. I felt the pressure in my sinuses. You felt it <laughs> everywhere else. Let's make this week a bit better. Where was a loads of races this weekend? We got. We're not going to read all the results because we've got an action-packed show with loads of um, with loads of stuff going on. But there was there's a sort of highlighted performances that we want to talk about really quickly. Uh, the European 24-hour um, race was held in Verona in Italy over the weekend. Lithuania's Alexander Sororkin um, broke his own world record. His own world record of three. I'll read it both in case. 319.614 kilometers. Uh, so that's 198.599 miles. If anyone's wondering why it's so precise, when you are running your last lap in these 24 hour races, they hand you a little marker and then someone blows the hooter and you stop and that marker goes down and then you stay by your marker and somebody comes around to read the exact um, result. You probably lie down by your marker. Um, so he ran almost 200 miles in 24 hours at an average. Croupier. Croupier, isn't he? He works in the casino. I don't think he works anymore. He's been, I've been out in Kenya running 50 kilometers a day. Okay. Um, he averaged 7.7, 7 minute, 17 seconds, minute mile pace. That's 430K pace. He was actually quicker than that for a, a lot of it. He was running like six minute, 
mile pace. We also saw a few little Brit shouts at us as well. Josiah Savkureski, uh, she had a sprint finish, a sprint finish at the end of a 24 hour race for a new British record. Uh, she finished in fifth place overall uh, with 247.9 kilometers. I thought that was important. Important to note. And Dan Lawson, which I think this is the second furthest any Brit has won run in 24 hours at 273 kilometers. Uh, finishing in sixth, he had to sprint for that as well. Uh, loads of heroic performances out on a track race. Alison, who we get, we, we she'll come out in a couple of weeks. We just talked about track lapping, lap races. They are a different mindset. I would like, obviously, no records to be set, but I would like to have a go at it one day. Good to see also um, Gareth Pritchard. Former guest of the show, he was out there too on the tra- on the track with with Dan, and uh, he set a PB for himself a twenty four hour PB. So he was super chuffed with that, and it was really good. You know, a GB vest. It's just like it's it's wild. It's amazing. And um, would, you, you know, would you run what laps for a GB vest? Wow, yeah, England vest. Would you? Would you? <laughs> I wouldn't run. Well, I did. I did run laps for an England vest, but I wouldn't do it again. I just not. I. Not my bag laps. It's not my bag. I think, I'd love to give it a go. I'm not, I'm not good enough. Yeah, you need to give it a go. Everyone needs to give it a go of finding that mentality. I haven't got it. There's too much noise in my brain. There's too much uh, wanting to chat and stop. It did look like a bit of a social. The photographs yeah. I saw on Facebook, it was quite a crowded track and people were waving at cameras and stuff. Um, and then yeah, the minute look- it gets dark, everybody disappears. It's very strange. It goes very quiet. Mm-hmm. And then the, <laughs> it starts getting light and people sort of come out and start running again. Uh, we also had the end of the Tour de Jean. Loads of Brits did awesomely yeah. well finishes, but a real special shout out to Sabrina Vijay who not only won the race but she set a new women's course record by more than five hours in 80 hours 19 minutes and was the first woman ever to run under 85 hours and placed fifth overall and she was chased by the women in second place was not that far behind so it wasn't as if she had like a you know a wonderful time in the mountains and she, she was chased she was racing she's got some range that woman she toured the line on the lake from 15 that word she's got some range yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's on the tour. She started on the Lakeland 50. Um, and I think she was second uh, to Katie. Um, and then obviously tour the line here. It's completely different events, but smash them both. Amazing. She's my new girl crush. I love it. Well, we're go. trying to get her on the show and it was quite a few weeks ago we reached out to her and it was going to happen. And then just so, so hard to get everybody in the right place or... We'll Let's give her a week me. over and then we'll start prodding. <laughs> well, maybe we need to get in now, get in quick. <laughs> well, she's feeling weak. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't feel weak to come on the show. I'm sure she's just waiting. She's like, I really want to, but I'm just waiting for Gary to contact me. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. We'd just like to do a quick 30 seconds to say a huge thank you to our Patreon members who have popped over onto the Patreon page and pledged alliance, allegiance, alliance to the podcast um, by donating a very um, a token amount of money to keep us in the manner we've become accustomed and help us to provide the content that you so love listening to. Uh, I heard it described on another podcast, Gary, as um, which I thought was rather good, so I'm going to steal it, as supporting a local business. Because I know it's a bit weird to ask for money, like something that you just download and yeah. you're like, why do these people need money? But um, think of it more as like supporting a local business, perhaps when you drive past every day and you think, oh, there used to be one at a cafe in a village I lived in. And we said, I think I must go to that cafe. I must go to that cafe. I never went. And then one day it's all boarded up. <laughs> Not Imagine saying. That. 
we're not going to board you up, Gary, but such a go. But honestly, we really appreciate your little bit of extra support over on that Patreon page. And hey, if this isn't your thing, then that's absolutely fine. Uh, just like, share and subscribe to the podcast or even just telling a friend how amazing we are. Uh, and we thank you from the bottom of our heart to anyone who listens to our twittering each week. We superly appreciate you and please carry on doing so. It's awesome too. We got some great questions supplied to us this week for our guests. Um, so much better than what Eddie and I could come up with. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I really appreciate that too. This week we chat with David Lipman from Super Sapiens. Have you ever blood sugar crashed during or after a race and wondered what yes. you should be eating? Have you ever noticed, um, you know, seen people with the little uh, patches on their arms? I was kind of super curious what those things were until uh, we reached out to David, where this could be the show for you. Eddie and I both use these patches and monitored our blood sugar levels via their app, which I, th I thought was awesome. I remember I was in a pizza shop in Keswick and I just tapped my app. <laughs> I, I felt quite cool with mine on. I felt like, and then when I got to like, you swipe the phone with the patch and like yeah. sinks and I felt like I was some sort of like, Bionic, bionic yeah. robot. <laughs> but yeah, it was really, it was, it's super great um, technology and really interesting to get that insight. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here is our chat with David from Super Sapiens. Hi, David. Thanks for joining us today. We ask all of our guests this. Where are you? What's the view from your window? And have you been for a run today? I am in Amsterdam, the north of Amsterdam, the Nord, if you will. The view is out the window at the Amsterdam Tower, also known as the Adam Tower, which changes colour for different events. It's really cool. They change awesome. it for the Ajax games and for Pride and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I have run this morning. It was a, a rare run with somebody else. I ran with a friend of mine who uh, who was in Amsterdam. It's our last run because I'm about to leave Amsterdam to, uh, to move to London. So uh, our last run together, about nine and a bit miles in uh, in the English distance, uh, about 14, 15Ks or so in, uh, in metrics. And is it a comp, is it a myth? You know, I always, well, the, 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 they say that Amsterdam's super flat. Is that literally the case or can you find a hill if you want? Oh, there, there is a, a known hill in the country. It's down in the south in the German border. <laughs> uh, it is a hill, not a mountain. Uh, to give you some perspective, I spend most of my week running below sea level, not at sea level, below it. And... I can run 100 kilometers or so in a week, which is 80 something miles. So it's uh, 60 something 60. miles. Yeah. Yeah, 60 something miles. And I can do uh, in that week, I would do less than 100 meters, less than 300 feet of climbing. Um, Ooh. And that's, I can actively go search for stuff and you know, I can run up and down some sand dunes if you want or up and down some bridges. And it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's about as much as I can. I mean, I can. I'll get more than that if I really go looking for it. But it's difficult. It's difficult to oh, find dude, anything. Because you know, you mentioned you, you do enjoy the trails. Um, how would you then? I obsess about vert, trying to find vert, and even in England, it's 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 super tricky. Um, but yeah, what would you do then? Down the gym. So yeah, I've sort of my background is in strength and conditioning as well. I've done a bit of that and, and a lot of coaching as well, runners and, and strength and conditioning. So 
I sort of try to use this as an opportunity, right? So it's how do I prepare for that? I prepared for the Montreux Trail Festival my first time in Amsterdam. I was like, okay, let's see how we go. And so a ton of gym work with a real focus on eccentric loading because the, you know, the rate limiter with, the, you know, with mountains is not the up, it's the down, right? And that's what's really hard to get. You can get to the gym and I spend a lot of time in the Stairmaster, one stair, two stairs, three stairs, four stairs, like trying to go up, try and create variability there as you will on a trail uh, to condition myself for uphills. And you can put a treadmill for runnable uphill. So that's all okay. But the downhill is what kills you. And that's the rate limiter when you get to longer stuff is the eccentric muscle damage. So uh, early phase of the gym uh, is based on some, you know, stability around trail running that you can't get on roads. So lateral movements and then move into some eccentric tolerance. So slow lowering, slow eccentric, single leg, double leg. And then later stages will move into plyometrics with an eccentric bias to really deal with it. And then if you can spend some time in the mountains for a couple of weeks prior, just in and around, just before you taper, it's quite helpful as well to then develop some of that uh, or if you're lucky and you can work remotely as i got to do some of this year you can spend some time in the mountains before a race and if you're generally fit and you know in good shape and you do some sharpening in the mountains you can sort of go okay but yeah. you know i uh i was standing talking to a guy before marathon du mont blanc this year uh and he'd run boston marathon and i'd run boston marathon and he would, and he would, uh, sort of talked to him about his goal time and talked to him about my goal time and he said given your boston time you should be running a lot faster than that but you know he lives in cape town so there's all these mountains and, and he ended up beating me by you know 15 20 minutes as a result and despite the fact that i was probably a similar amount of time ahead of him at boston so you can only the mountains there is a specific aspect to it and and you know that's just is what it is you have to play the hand you're dealt yeah that's good tips for people you know all of us are lucky to live in uh the Alps, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, sometimes, sometimes I long for a bit of flat canal path on a recovery run day, and I'm like, oh, I just don't want to lift my legs up anymore. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I just want a canal or a plain field. Well, works both ways. Um, right, we're going to introduce a, a a new concept to many of our listeners, I'm sure today. But I bet if you've got anything, um, any eye on social media on Instagram, you will have seen some athletes starting to wear some of these white little patches on their arms. You might not know much about them. You might have tried one out. Um, and so we are talking to Super Sapiens today all about what they are. Gary and I have both used them. We So we have, uh, we've got some insider knowledge of how we found them and we've got some specific questions for David as well. But before we jump into all that, can you tell us a little bit about the story behind Super Sapiens name, where did the idea come from? Um, and a little bit about its purpose and its role that people might find in their everyday life. Yeah, there's a lot in that. Um, so I guess the origin story, our uh, CEO, Phil Sutherland, uh, is also the CEO of uh, Team Nova Nordisk, which is a uh, diabetic cycling team, the world's first professional diabetic cycling team. So many years before that, he was a cyclist himself and he has type 1 diabetes himself. And uh, through his, you know, he's got a very long story that I'll, I won't tell too much of. He's got, he's on a lot of podcasts that are well worth listening to. It's an amazing origin story, but the, the quick story is he grew up with diabetes at a time before continuous glucose monitoring and was, re, you know, at that stage, diabetes was basically an, a very uh, difficult to manage disease that meant you would have very impaired quality of life and perhaps even length of life. And then obviously you start to measure glucose and then you start to have these continuous glucose monitors and they developed. And then all of a sudden his quality of life and his ability to train and race bikes because he was a professional cyclist uh, really improved. And he started to see the benefits in himself and then in Team Nova Nordisk of 
when you have this visibility of continuous glucose monitoring and you have it, say, on the head units that Tim Nervin orders have, it really helps them be able to compete in pro fields. And so he started to see the benefits of continuous glucose monitoring in a diabetic population and thought, hey, maybe this can help all athletes. And so then in 2019, he started this con- uh, this um, journey towards bringing super sapiens to life. Uh, and in terms of the name itself, I believe that was a, a very talented branding uh, branding individual we had working at the company. Uh, I can't speak too much to it. There is a big brand history there around um, a number of things that I can't speak too much to. We can we can definitely share some of that with you. And it's it is a very cool story, but I, it's not something I've internalized. My apologies, but uh, yeah. it is cool. They've done a, a great job of the branding. There is a meaning behind the way that the, the logo looks, and uh, yeah, it's really cool. I love an individual story like that. It's like the ultra shoes, isn't it? Where someone has needed something yeah. in their life and has gone ahead and, and then it becomes something that everybody can benefit from. Can you tell us a little bit about, we're not going to jump into the science too much because there is a ton of science. And what Gary and I both found was that when we started wearing this, the, the glucose monitoring patch, there was so much uh, data that was then given us to us. So we're just going to start sort of really basically tell us a little bit about why people might want to monitor their glucose. They're thinking... What can this give them to them? They're already training, they're running. What can this sort of give them as a little added bonus, perhaps? Why would people start to wear a glucose monitor patch? Yeah, so I've got um, probably, I'll go about this a couple of ways. One way is to explain what our users are telling us that they're changing as a result of using it. And that's probably the the lowest hanging fruit there. And then there's some other aspects of where you may head with it uh, individually. So most users tell us, I think it's 90% of users in a recent survey have told us they either changed what they ate around exercise or what they ate during exercise. So there's two, there's sort of a bit of a camp there of I changed my general diet or I changed what I do in exercise. And I fall into the, the, the second one more than the first one. So, you know, I have degrees in exercise physiology. I have a medical degree. You'd think I would have got nutrition right. But as I started wearing Super Sapiens, my fasted Sunday long run of three hours, then come home and collapse on the couch and be a horrible, <laughs> horrible dog father, horrible husband. <laughs> Uh, that swiftly became, oh, if I eat more during this training, I don't have such low glucose afterwards and I can be a functional human, right? So there's that really powerful aspect of feedback that you get around your glucose levels post-workout that you can start to see there. The other aspect that people are telling us about is really uh, the powerful feedback that you get of, you know, none of us think that you should be eating a ton of cookies, but uh, when you start to see the impact of that on your glucose levels, you start to think, firstly, um, maybe I don't want to do that because it changes that, right? It, all of a sudden that what I see in six months of eating a ton of cookies every day and I see a weight gain, that's very, very quickly short-circuited is I can see this effect of my glucose now and I can feel afterwards and you start to see the effect of glucose and correlate with your feeling and then all of a sudden you go, actually, maybe this isn't the thing I want to be doing. Uh, and then there's also aspects of I do want to eat cookies. I know what it's going to do, but I know that if I eat one, it's okay. Or if I eat cookies post-run, it's different to if I eat them pre-run and that sort of stuff. So there's those kind of big learnings that people have taken. And then in terms of why people might want to use it, it really depends on the questions you have to answer. And I would suggest that uh, that is the way to approach it is, what am I trying to learn from this? Uh, And it's more of a learning tool than it is anything else. So your questions may be around, 
what does it look like when I ride fasted on my bike for three hours or, or in a trail running setting is should I be eating whole foods, real foods? Should I be having mashed potatoes or should I be having gels? What does all this look like, right? All these questions that we talk about on a Sunday run, which gel do you use? Why do you use it? Uh, should I be using liquid only or should I be using gels? You know, I heard Andy from uh, Precision on here uh, talking about this exact question, right? So is it gels? Is it shoes? Is it all that? And, and these are the sort of questions you can answer. And then probably dialing in a level deeper. And I think this is why the guys from Precision like using us uh, internally is it's not just about, okay, 90 grams of carbohydrates an hour or 60 grams of carbohydrates an hour. It's how does that look across an hour, right? So is it 60 grams as in two gels or is it uh, four smaller doses of carbohydrates or is it constantly sipping? So a good example of this is we've got a guy, James McDonald, who's in the UK, who's looking to set the 24-hour velodrome world record. So he's about, he's all about, aerodynamic position and watts and all of this right and he has found that the same intake of carbohydrates more frequently keeps his glucose more stable and allows him to uh increase his output so he's gone from he breaks aerodynamic positioning more frequently but still performs better because he's gone from fueling the same amount of carbohydrates per hour, but in smaller doses. So, and that's an extreme example, but it's a good example of how could you iterate with the system to really help dial in your nutrition. Is everybody's glucose different? Is the way everybody reacts to fuel, everybody's glucose reacts when they're exercising? Is all the feedback people are going to getting different or are you seeing similar results from, let's say, trained athletes, people that run regularly, cycle regularly? Do you see the data being quite similar or is everybody's feedback different? The answer is both. And I'll explain what I mean. So some things are very consistent, right? So if we all sat here now and drank a Coke, we would all see an increase. How much that increase is and how quickly it normalizes, that's different between athletes and individuals. And that will change for individuals depending on what they've done. So on a day where I've run in the morning, that will look different than a day that I haven't run in the morning. And that will look different if I have it as I go for a walk versus not. So there is both inter and intra individual individuality. Uh, or differences uh, based on those things. So, um, and that allows you, and there are some consistencies. So the example is when I come to Chamonix and, and hang out just near where you are, Eddie, or when I went fit to UTMB last year, we drive uh, and we live in Amsterdam. So it's quite a long drive. Uh, it's you know a long day in the car, sort of 14 hours um, or 10 hours, sorry. And French uh, French gas station food, uh, you know, is great. It's awesome compared to the rest of the world. Beautiful oh, baguettes. Oh, you're going to say it's awful. I was <laughs> no, no. Say, oh, it's awful because I go back to England and I'm like, I want the crap from no, the no, service no. station. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm after the baguette. I, I want that one. So You're after the plat du jour. Sit exactly. down. Nice meal. Yeah, that's me. But, um, <laughs> but I found that despite the good quality food, despite the beautiful cheese and the meat, is I still get a bit of a, a, a rush in my glucose, a bit of an increase in glucose because you're sitting still afterwards. But I found that exercising if i get out for two hours a day or two before my uh my drive i can actually hold that really stable and, and nice and smooth despite what i eat during those uh stations there so it's you know we've got someone internally who says it's not necessarily no no it's more k-n-o-w so you it's not about no you can't have that it's about know how that will affect you and know how you can modify things what is the bad thing about a glucose spike why are people looking to monitor their glucose and keep that line steady throughout the day why are we looking yeah why are we looking at doing that why would people be looking at sort of modifying their glucose intake yeah this is so there's a couple of aspects to this the first thing they're not all bad 
So there may be a role for inducing them. And where you would want to induce them is where you want to increase insulin levels. So fundamentally, when you have an increase in glucose, you'll have an increase in insulin. Insulin is a storage hormone. Its, its role is to, to store glucose. So in phases of carbohydrate loading, you may want to increase insulin levels to try and store more carbohydrates. And in a post post-run work window, you may want to do the same thing to try and increase glycogen resynthesis rates, increase protein synthesis rates, all those things that are about recovery. So in those two scenarios, it's probably a role for increasing them or having them. In day-to-day life in general, limiting them helps in a couple of ways. So it, may, it limits insulin levels. And the reason that you have a big uptick or that you know this 140 line is uh, in our app is fundamentally around some of the basic science, which suggests that above this level, there's an increase in insulin level, uh, insulin release at a you know sort of upticks, as well as there's some inflammatory aspects to having high levels of glucose around the body. So it effectively, without wanting to get too graphic and be too negative about it, it's a similar process to rusting that uh, glucose can do to some of the the blood vessels and the and the um, red blood cells and in the body. So. This is what you see with you know, uncontrolled diabetes. And obviously that's an extreme example, but you have these aspects on particularly what they call microvasculature, so small blood vessels. So eyes, fingers, these sort of things see a long-term damage. So that's an extreme example of poorly controlled diabetes, but it, you know the physiology is similar in people day to day. Now, the question is, how big a spike is a problem? How many is a problem? You know, what is normal and what isn't normal? And we're still learning that. But generally keeping glucose levels more stable will allow you to be able to keep a more stable energy level. There's some interesting research talking about what we call stability in our app now because it makes more sense. But in the scientific literature is often called variability. So it's the, okay. sort of the opposite of each other. But an increased variability, uh, which will manifest as a higher stability number in our app, which kind of doesn't make sense, but it's backwards. But you know, bear with us. Uh, so more up and down glucose will mean that you have uh, more hunger often for people and they'll have these more fluctuations in energy as well, particularly if it goes low. So if you have this increase and then a rebounding low and you end up quite low after eating and you can do this, it's pretty easy. And sometimes this is called the three o'clock slump. And you'll see this in some people, they have lunch and then they sort of, oh, I'm real groggy. And it might be a high carbohydrate lunch that causes a bit of a low. Then you have this decreased energy, you're a bit tired uh, and you can be really hungry as well, which in some athletes is probably not a bad thing. And in some athletes is probably a big challenge. Donut city. I have a slump. <laughs> <laughs> I don't turn the app on after a donut class. <laughs> and I did, I really like the app. And one thing I was, um, I didn't expect was this kind of, it wasn't just about performance and where you are in when you're kind of taking part in exercise or a race, there is that recovery element too. So I really, yeah, I enjoyed observing that. And like Eddie said, there's quite a lot of information to take in initially, but I think once you spend a bit of time with any bit of tech, definitely yeah, the feedback is great. Attaching the monitor, I think, it took me about 10 minutes to take the plunge initially, Eddie. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I had to get Bryn to do it. I was, I've had three kids and I was like, oh, no, I can't. I can't do it. It's going to really hurt. It's gonna... He was like, give it to me. But you didn't even, well, I didn't even feel it. Did you feel it, Gary? No, no, I didn't. It, 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 yeah, I think it, it looks worse than actually what it is. It's just kind of over pretty, pretty quick. I always get asked though when I had it on, is there is there a physical needle going into me? And yeah, if you could expand on that. 
Yeah. So the research from Abbott on this application says that 99.8% of people say it doesn't hurt at all. Uh, I read that stat and I was like, the 0.02, it's going to be me and I'm going to be... (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, we've also got a great video of uh, one of the world's best Ironman triathletes, uh, Gustav Eden, putting it on and going, ah, and then he goes, I'm just joking. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's a bit of a, a known thing there. So, um, yeah, it doesn't hurt. Uh, there is a little needle that is introduced, and it's introduced and then removed, and there's that's because there's a filament that goes in and stays in the arm. The filament is soft. It's basically – I always describe it, and, you know, it seems to be a poor description for people, but kind of like a long beard hair. So you've got like a long, I wouldn't know what they're like. I can't grow any facial hair, but um, kind of like a long beard hair. It's, it's, oh my it's God. Three, three millimeters long. It's quite coarse. Uh, it's like a coarse it's beard. It's like hair. A, a pube. Oh, already. You, you said it, not me. Um, <laughs> for this little filament, uh, it goes in and it's important that it sits there because it's what's got the enzyme on it. So it has an enzyme called glucose oxidase without getting too technical. This respect, um, reacts with glucose, and that's how you measure glucose levels uh so and it sits in the interstitial space so this is the space between the blood and the muscle so you've got blood that communicates directly with the interstitial space which and the interstitial fluid which then communicates into the muscle so i guess a couple of important points for people to know is not technically blood glucose the two are very similarly related particularly in periods of stable physiology and when i say stable i mean yes at rest or at constant exercise they're very well approximated but when you have big changes there is a period where there's an uh a bit of a difference between the two and that's an interesting discussion we're having internally is is this more or less relevant to the athlete than blood is because in the world of diabetes blood is relevant because that's what we've understood and how we've understood glucose is through diabetes and blood but as we're now developing uh CGM, or as we have CGM technology with non-diabetic populations, we're starting to think, well, maybe being closer to the muscle, right? One step closer to the muscle, it's not blood, it's now interstitial fluid. We're right next to the muscle. Maybe that's more relevant to an athlete because there's some interesting data that suggests that the interstitial fluid glucose will change in a downward motion, right? So you will have lower glucose in that space before the blood will change. And when you're talking about working muscle, that might be actually more relevant because it's directly communicating with the muscle. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool space. For those who are interested in this, we've actually, um, the whole history of how we got to CGM technology and some advice around using it, we have actually a, a podcast on the Super Sapiens uh, podcast uh, where we talk a bit about this. So there's a, there's a lot more depth there around why, how to use it and where it might be relevant and, and those sort of things. Was there any resistance between, I suppose, the non-diabetic community that with this glucose monitor or was it an easy transition? It depends. I mean, there's a bunch of people who are using uh, off-label di- uh, sensors that were made for diabetic populations for a long time. A lot of biohackers, a lot of, I mean, even Lisa Norton. So Lisa Norton won a silver medal in the Olympics in the triathlon. She's a very good now Ironman distance triathlete. She started using a glucose monitor in 2013 uh, on the advice of a coach because um, she wasn't quite getting her fueling right. She started using this, saw that she had really low glucose levels overnight on days that she hadn't fueled as well. And now she very much she uses our app and, and very much knows where if she's fueling properly and training appropriately, she knows where her glucose will be. And if she overdoes it and doesn't quite match her needs in carbohydrates, she'll find that she's quite low overnight and very flat as well. And so that's a, you know, that's the sort of story we use to then start to develop some of our sciences. Okay, this is what Lisa's seeing. We need to go investigate this and look at training load versus overnight glucose levels and carbohydrate intake. And is there a 
a way that we can help athletes make sure they're meeting their carbohydrate needs by, you know, creating an index where they can sort of look at this. And would you say someone was to purchase a new user, would you recommend them to say play around with food and food timings just to see a pattern? Is that good advice? Yeah, we've got a new onboarding series of emails that sort of pushes a little bit at this, which is teaching people um, ways to, I guess, um, optimize their glucose. And I say that because um, some of the companies in the market are very much about everything has to be flat and stable. And the easiest way to have flat, stable glucose is eat a bunch of fat or don't eat at all. You'll be dead flat. And I don't think that's the, stability is a goal from us, but it's not the only goal. It's kind of, we appreciate that athletes need to eat. They need to eat carbohydrates. They need to eat a large amount of them, many athletes. So we're more about being well-fueled and how can you do that while trying to improve stability. So we've got a, a great blog piece on sort of 10 little tips. So things like adding cinnamon, adding fiber, adding protein, these things that are you know healthy anyway to do to your carbohydrates to try and then modify some of those glucose responses. So I'd say that's probably um, probably the big thing there. And, and experimenting is part of the company, but definitely part of why you should be using it. So, you know, have your meal, have a standard one, try it with more protein, try it in a different order, try it and then go for a walk, try it after a big run or before a big run and see what happens. And then again, it'll depend on your question. So what about, is it about the pre-exercise window you're concerned, you're interested in? So we've worked with some professional sporting organizations where we're looking at just their meal and the effect of the first hour of exercise just that pre-exercise meal on that. And that's all they're concerned with at the moment. And then they're going to expand from there. And then other people are really concerned about in-exercise fueling and have I got this right? So we did uh, Damien Hall, uh, one of the trail runners from over your way, Gary, yeah. uh, used this for a bit. And he actually said when he was using it and he had glucose on his watch, he noticed that he fueled a lot more, particularly in the last sort of 45 minutes to an hour on his uh, in his races and yeah. uh, felt a lot better as a result of it. So I think it's a really good tip is that because when I first put it on, I was a bit overwhelmed with how much data there was and what, and it was like, try your meals in different order. Try and I was like, hey, I've got a full time job. I got three kids. Stop telling me I need to eat more food. But then I was like, okay, relax. Uh, it's not uh, just focus on one thing. So I focused on the bar being well filled as busy people, one of the biggest things for people that aren't professional athletes is being fueled for the session that could happen at any point in the day. But normally we know when that session is going to be, it's going to be probably fitting it in either lunch break or evening. So I practice like, okay, I want to be as fueled for that. And it it scared me how underfueled I was going into those sessions. And I was like, no wonder I never want to do these these evening <laughs> sessions because I'm all I've been on this low glute since lunchtime. So I just focused on that and putting that glucose up throughout the day and then hitting that session. And then once I'd sort of nailed that, then I turned to write in exercise training. What can I looking at my glucose during my and I looked specifically at my long run and what I ate before and then how it held, what I ate during the long run. So that was quite a good, just just from personal experience, that was a really good way that I used it. I didn't feel that I needed to monitor my glucose day to day, but just focusing on those little things. And actually I knew already, did you find this too, Gary? I knew where my weaknesses were and the science just showed me yeah. how much worse they were than I thought they I were. I've got woeful willpower, so yeah. <laughs> but I, exactly the same as you, you know, there would be sometimes um, I would traditionally wouldn't fuel during a workout, no matter how big it was. Um, long run, yes, definitely on a long run. 
But some of the sessions, yeah, I definitely found we even chatted on the podcast that I just felt like I just didn't have any anything in the tank and kind of hobbled to the end of what was turned out to be just an average workout. But then, yeah, definitely with the feedback when I got back home and you could you could see what was on the on the app, it was like, yeah, it was obvious what I should have done. And then I really loved the kind of recovery tab when you you, you swipe along, as you can see, you just kind of plan better during the day. I think that side of things is super powerful, and also. I didn't actually, you know, the, the, my idea was to use it on the Lakeland 100, but I was so way obsessed. I didn't want to carry my smartphone. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't carry it. But what I did do on a few build-up races, I tested it then and then kind of established a pattern, which I then kind of carried on to the Lakeland um, 100. I think that's a really good approach. And it's sort of the approach approach I use leading into uh, the Rotterdam Marathon, uh, when I, which I ran last year, was, okay, let's really – see firstly where I feel best and perform best glucose wise. And then what do I need to do to hit that number? And then how's that going to look on race day? Uh, because I didn't have live glucose there. Whereas in Boston, when I ran this year, I did have live glucose and it was very confirmatory as to, okay, yeah, no, you're actually, you're doing fine here. Um, we've got a cool case study that's coming out on our blog in a little while of a trail runner uh, who's a full-time mother and full-time she works full-time as well and, and talking about her training and how she's modified things and we've got a cool set of uh races from her developing towards 100k which she's running next month so she's got a 20k and then a 25k and then a 40k and a 60k and you can see this progression of how much she's taking it how she's making those decisions and the changes she's made working with her coach so it's a really cool way to see a systematic way to dial it in but again you both nailed this is you kind of need a specific question and to really dial things in in a logical way, because if you change too many things at once, it becomes very difficult. But yeah. I think to Eddie's point before the, if you are training twice a day or you're training late in the day, there's always this thing hanging over your head of uh, when am I eating how much and, and am I going to be fueled enough? And I think um, we've definitely spoken with some, particularly the pro Ironman athletes because they train so much. They've just got such high training volumes around and a good change for them, a lot of them has been their morning aerobic session. They would never fuel whatever that is, mm. be it a swim, mm. be it a ride, be it a run. And it, we started working them and sort of saying, listen, maybe the fuel you're putting in here is going to be preloading you for your afternoon, evening run. Because if you've got a four hours of training on a day and you're up for 16 hours, right? And so then you don't have that much time between sessions that you can really eat a lot. So perhaps eating in the first session really sets you up for the second session. And they found yeah. some really big benefits there. And, and interestingly, with some of our users, they're finding that fueling more during training means they lose body mass. Now that obviously isn't always a goal. And, you know, there's lots of conversations that are very loaded around body weight, body composition during endurance training. But it's interesting to me that you can increase your fueling during training and somehow then improve body composition, which seems counterintuitive to many people. And we've seen your people at the company who've said the same thing around their use as well. So I think, uh, you know, it's appropriate to fuel your training as you need to, right? And that's the most important thing. And then eating around that should support that. People's, uh, a lot of people's relationship with food, endurance athletes, you know, they don't have, a lot of people have a dodgy relationship, you know, or a history of a poor relationship with food, or they just find, you know, that um, they're not really sure about their feeling. And this could spike, you know, anxiety in the like, but actually, if anything, I think it's a reassurance that um, that the, the food they're eating, it's fuel, and you can see the the stats are there, and the and the stats are so quick. Uh, we're talking about this app, but for um, it's literally you can you download it on the phone, and you literally can see your glucose lifetime. 
So I used it a lot when I was on Swift on my bike and I can see that glucose go up. And and also what I really liked about it as well is that you feel, you learn that feel of, I don't feel that great. Oh, look, my glucose has gone down. Um, I know that Sophie Power, who I coached, used it in her 24-hour race. And she was like, literally the minute I started feeling a bit rubbish, um, I'd have my glucose app and it would go, your glucose is going down. It's slightly controversial, is it? Is it a little bit of cheating? What's the sort of stance on like competition, <laughs> international competitions? Because I see um, Christian Blumenfeld wearing it in, uh, he wore it in the World Ironman Championships, didn't he? I could see it. It's like actually built into his suit. And I was like, is that legal? Are you allowed to? Because it's such a bonus, isn't it? To yeah. to live monitor. Is there any federations that have said you're not allowed to wear this during competition or... What's so the, the deal? So we, the UCI have uh, have not allowed us to be used during the Tour de France uh, or professional UCI sanctioned races. You can't be used. Okay. Although we do work with a lot of those teams, they're not allowed to wear it in racing, which is unfortunate. Um, I the do, data you'd get from the races would be awesome, wouldn't it? Oh, it's unreal. We've got some. Yeah. You know, if you look at when you look at our blog, whether it's Damien, uh, the Damien Hall article, you can start to see us, and, and on a dashboard as well. We've got a dashboard for users and coaches, and you can see correlated heart rate, you've got overlaid heart rate and elevation and pace and glucose. And you start to see some really cool correlations. You're like, Oh, when I'm doing, and then that, and I felt bad. And then I can see the, and so it's, uh, you know, it's very good. I mean, I don't know if Christian needs much help, but, uh, if, uh, if Christian needs any help, we're, we're happy to, uh, happy to be contributing a little bit to it. Um, he, but yeah. I think he's a big guy and he talks about how much he has to eat to fuel that engine. So I imagine that this is mass. It has been massive to him because he, uh, you know, he shared his training going into the Olympics before, which was just incredible. So I can imagine that he has, you know, the Norwegians, they love this sort of stuff, haven't they? But um, so the Ironman, you're allowed to wear it during a triathlon, are you? Yeah. There's, that's the only the only federation who's had any issues with us is uh, okay. is the UCI. We've got you know we've used in quite a few team sports as well, and I can't speak too much to who's using us and where and that. But in some sports, you can't have a phone available with you. So we've got the energy band which connects with the sensor directly, and it's a wearable, and you can use it so you can see your glucose live on your wrist, and it saves that data as well. So that does yeah. Provide... So anybody that's thinking about doing like long trail runs or they're looking like Gary was concerned about his phone yeah. was going to slow him down. I think he had a, exactly. he had other issues, right. but but now there's a there's a wristband that you can wear which gives you live um, your live glucose feedback, so you wouldn't have to open up the app. On your phone. Exactly. And you don't even need your phone. Whereas, you know, with some of our integrations, you need your phone to decode the signal and bounce it to, uh, say, a head unit or something like that on a bike, whereas the energy band is live all the time. So we have some cyclists who prefer to just strap the energy band onto their handlebars. We've got runners who run with the energy bands. Um, and, you know, many trail runners don't really care too much because they've got to carry a phone anyway, right? So, you know, UTMB mandatory gear, you have to have a phone, of course. It's just the battery, isn't it? It would be the battery level. I think most people would be concerned about um, yeah, spot on. their battery. But we've had, um, uh, we had Caitlin Fielder use uh, a sensor last year when she uh, placed in the OCC from memory. She's wearing a sensor on and off. Uh, I think she wore one in um, Zagama as well. So uh, there's so, quite a few trail runners using us. I, I know... Uh, Jordi Gametto as well was wearing a sensor for a while. I tagged us in a photo. So that was really cool. So it's cool to see us uptake in some of our, uh, some of the pro fields as well and, and really experimenting and learning for themselves as well. And you can just dip in and out. You don't have to be like committed to it forever. And then if you decide not to use it, that's it forever. It's um, you can just use it per an event, establish a trend um, and then use it for that race. How long does it last though? Once you've stuck it on your arm, um, 
what, what kind of duration are we looking at? Yeah, so the sensors last 10 to 14 days, as long as 14. But um, yeah, I think one, I agree with you, definitely can dip in and out. What I would say is it it behooves you to get a bit of an idea to, to, track, to chuck it on two weeks before for your taper and wear it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure that's the right way to go about it. I'd suggest. You probably... I would actually, yeah, I'd wear it when you're not in a training, you know, when you're like free to experiment, you're not in the worried about a training block, the beginning of it, or the beginning of a training cycle four, six months out, and you can have got time to experiment, not, yeah, like, Three weeks before when you suddenly your glucose is 80 what's the sort of price point we're looking at for people to um where can they buy uh, the monitors from we're available in eight european countries at the moment so uh england ireland luxembourg italy switzerland austria um france and germany as our eight countries, uh, so we're available there. Uh, you need obviously our app, uh, it's, and and the sensors. The sensors are available from our website directly. Uh, we do have an affiliate program starting with nutritionists very soon. So your local nutritionist may be able to to uh, work with you on this, and I think that helps people a lot to have a professional to help them interpret the data, help them yeah. guide and make decisions. Uh, so that's that's one thing that we're starting very shortly. That'll be very good, I think, for for the users. Uh, price point uh, is sixty five euros a sensor uh, and equivalent. I, I don't know exactly in in pounds, but it's somewhere sixty five. It's a yeah. sad, sad, sad situation. Yeah, <laughs> but the app itself, there's no subscription to the app. You pay for the sensor. The app is correct. The app is free, um, as is you know access to our Facebook athletes group or our Discord channel where people like myself moderate and answer questions. We have lots of data questions come up on Discord, and I'm there answering. I've actually got one pending to answer this evening. Uh, you know, around some data like, hey, I did this. What do you think? Or I tried this, and what do you make of this data? Or what should I try here? So that exists, and and our users are getting a lot better. We've got super users who've been using you know eight months two years and really dialing things in and they're starting to take some ownership and really guiding other people and i think that's super helpful when you have that in the community kind of like when you know power meters started in cycling no one really knew what was going on and then you slowly develop this and then everyone you know starts to understand it a bit more and you can talk to each other and give each other guidance and so we're trying to educate doing that and trying to really you know we're trying to create a market to some extent right and and it's about the understanding of why glucose is important and how to use it and how it can help people. I think that's so crucial. Um, is there yeah. any data in there tracking females and the menstrual cycle and the difference glucose has? Because I imagine that a lot of women listening will be like, oh, yeah, that, that's something that I really struggle with. Um, has it got some information in the app? Or is that something that you're looking at? So we're supporting uh, the Fendura study, the Females in Endurance uh, it's like it's an acronym, but it's it's female endurance athletes uh, by one of the I think it's Norwegian Sports Science University. Uh, so we've supported that. So we're supporting a bunch of studies. I think we're working with eighteen universities, and we basically give them support in terms of how to use the sensors and using the sensors, and we give them sensors, and then they use them for research. So that is looking at female physiology and endurance, and looking you know as glucose as part of it. From what we've seen, and we've done a, quite a bit of internal work on the menstrual cycle, is that there are a subset of females who seem to have very distinct differences in their menstrual phases uh, of their glucose levels. It's very stark. You can see it. It's five milligrams per deciliter difference between the different uh, halves of the, the menstrual cycle. But that's not in everybody. And probably the reason for this is not everybody's hormones are the same. So 
in the different phases, you have different dominance of uh, luteal hormone and uh, follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH and LH, and the ratio changes in the different phases, but not all the ratios are the same. So you will have an increase in LH in very consistently in certain phases, but the ratio of FSH to LH is what's important in metabolism, and that's not consistent between all mm. uh, individuals. Mm. So it's we do see some people who say, listen, in this phase, I can't move my glucose at all. And in this phase, it's all over the place and it's great. Mm. And I'm very different, <laughs> but we also see some people who go, we, I see no difference. So, yeah. and that's a challenge with a lot of this is, you know, we, there are some very cool science happening. And I think it's really important, but the bio-individuality is significant. And I mean, that's really what things like super sapiens or other wearables is about is yeah, that's fine. It's fine that we say that the research doesn't support changing my fueling in these different phases or that the research doesn't support that things change. But what about me? Because the research exactly. is like the average. Yeah. And the let's be honest, the average is the place to start, right? We should start from the average. We should start from the science, but you need to individualize for yourself, right? It's fine to say 120 grams of carbohydrate uh, an hour might help you be less. Well, I mean, there's research on this trail runners using 120 grams an hour. You're really sick. <laughs> yeah, but it's it shows that there's less muscle damage afterwards. So now there's a bunch of people who are using 120 grams an hour, which is fine if you can tolerate it. But oh, well, yeah. I'll tell you what, I can't. No. So there's no point, right? There's no I'm point. I don't think I have the time, that. to be honest, to, to make that amount of yeah. carbohydrate to take with me to then eat up exhausted by the end. But just dropping back into that, that's such an important point, is that if you struggle with your fueling during your menstrual cycle, pre, during, post, there's a whole phase during the month well, I know where I, I want to eat different foods. I respond differently to different foods. I can I can run for hours with no food and then four days later, but wearing the educate yourself. And I think that's sort of where Super Sapiens comes from a lot. It's about, well, here's the data. This is what it says for a lot of people, but everybody's different and wear it and see what happens. I would say as a woman, get if you're looking at doing this, get the black patch which sticks over the monitor because yeah. taking on and off a sports bra, if you catch it on the patch, it really hurts. That <laughs> that does really hurt. Get the patch, stick that on, and you're not going to catch the edge of it. That's my super tip. There we go. 50 I would euros, say, you can have that one for free. I, I would say, uh, I'd actually say that anybody who's wearing uh, uh, the CGMs should be using, uh, you know, our, our performance patch that goes over the black patch because we developed it with athletes in mind because they're taking on and off sports bras or cycling nicks or swimsuits or all of these things. Well, just but as you're moving, aren't you taking a jacket off if you exactly. catch it? It's worth the chopper. The, <laughs> the interesting thing that I learned, one of the most interesting learnings I took from Super Sapiens is I don't clear doors by that much. I got, when, I'm going through a, when I'm going through a door, when I was first wearing a sensor, I knocked it off. And I was like, oh, I can't, it's it's like a millimeter or two thick. How am I not clearing a door by more it's than that? It's that enormous shoulders, David. Yeah, yeah. he's well. hiding, but he's stacked underneath, <laughs> yeah, underneath yeah. the black teeth. And it's a great conversation starter. People love it around the supermarket. Like, what's that? What's that on your yeah. arm? Uh, it's not attractive. I think maybe Super Sapiens need to get some sort of like different designs for the patch over the arm. And it did mess with my tanning a bit, but. I'll let that uh, go. That's called the Super Sapi Tan. That's a real thing. Uh, I have a great Super oh, Sapi no. Tan. I have a great Super Sapi Tan at the moment. Um, super Sapi. Yeah. So the Super Sapi Tan is real. Um, it is a good conversation. So I've had. I've been asked if it's a tattoo, uh, but I also have been asked by. And you know, my Dutch isn't very good, but it's good enough to have a conversation. And I uh, had to explain in Dutch to a guy uh, about the fact that I wasn't diabetic and I was using mm. it for a sports mm. performance benefit. Mm. Yeah. And then mm. he asked, so why are you wearing two sensors then? 
because uh, I was doing some testing. So I was carrying two phones and wearing two sensors for a while. So uh, <laughs> You were like, I'm super safe. I love yeah, it. I can't yeah, get exactly. enough. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, awesome. Gary, have you got any more questions? Anything else that you no, want to add? No, just confirm what you, echo what you said, really. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the data. I think if you can uh, justify, you know, 65 pound then uh, fill your boots with the information that you'll get back from it is is awesome and i especially liked it in practice races not not for the event i didn't use it in the actual kind of main race because of my weight concerns but um yeah pre pre uh, target race i thought i thought it was really powerful too and i'm pretty sure if you look at stats of ultra races that one of the biggest dnfs is pure poor fueling um, from people that haven't got their fueling right, haven't practiced enough with their fueling. Um, and so if you're going to invest in coaching, in kit, in expensive travel costs, you know, it can add up. But this, so this might seem like it's quite expensive. We're not a sales pitch, you know, we're just saying, I'm just saying that if you are worried about your fueling, if you want to, if you like the science, but even if you don't like the science, it's a great way to just educate yourself into, instead of just believing what people say on packets of gels, you know, take this, go out and see what actually happens to your yeah. body. And um, yeah, we love any feedback if anybody is inspired to have a go. Uh, um, and we'll also put the link on the Facebook page over to Super Sapiens. So if you've got questions, we just want to read a bit more about it. You can um, you can pop over there. Right. And we're not letting him get away. We were going to let you get away, David, and we weren't going to give you the quick five at the end because I was quick like, five. all right, a proper scientist, Gary. You won't want to mess around. <laughs> no, You'll have no. plenty of tubes to go and no, fiddle no, with. No. I'm all about, if, you, if you've listened to our podcast, you can tell I'm not that serious. I, uh, there's a reason I'm no longer practicing medicine. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm more of a, an athlete than I am a scientist. So happy with, the, uh, happy with any questions you have. Happy with the jokes. Okay, okay. Go on, then. Of course. Bring, the, bring the bounce. Of course. What one food gives you the biggest rush? So the biggest rush I had was actually, I thought I was being so good. I made a homemade from scratch mushroom risotto, made it, wife and I sitting there enjoying it. And I hit like well above 200 for hours. And I was just like, I was astonished. I was like, how are we here? This is full of cheese. It's great. It's super healthy. What are we doing? And, uh, was it the rice? Yeah. So much rice. I think it's a mixture of the rice and how long I cooked it and how I really cooked it down and all those things. So, uh, yeah, it was probably also a day where I'd been less active and, you know, there's any number of things, maybe, maybe there was a stressful conversation at dinner, who knows, but, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard to know. Okay. Bear with me on this one. <clears throat> Loki, the God of mischief has, um, come down to earth. You've got two superheroes telephone numbers in your phone. One is Batman, which is that? And the other is Iron Man. Who are you going to call? Iron Man. Iron Man. I bet he'd have it. He didn't even think about it. You know how many superheroes we researched to give you two, like, <laughs> honestly, Gary went so deep into that question about who's going to ask you, and he didn't even think about it. No, why, why, why Iron Man over Batman? Uh, well, I'm firstly more of a Marvel than a DC fan. Uh, I also like Iron Man. I like Tony Stark. I like where he's at, where his head's at. I feel like <laughs> you he's... like it because he'd wear a Super Sapien patch, wouldn't he? You would love all that data. He'd be on it. <laughs> we actually had a user post on our uh, Facebook athletes group an Iron Man style uh, sensor placement. So he put a sensor straight on in the middle of his chest, like Iron Man. So uh, we have definitely seen that. Um, so yes, that's there is your Iron Man answer. Cool, cool. I could definitely say Iron Man, actually. Tapping his arm with his yeah, smartphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, next one. You've signed up for a 100-meter race. You've gone into your kit bag. You forgot your spikes. But 
you're really lucky actually you've got high heels or flip-flops just um which one would you use I'm Australian. I've got to say flip flops. Yeah, I mean, part of, get it thong straight yeah, on. Exactly. Got to chuck on the thongs, mate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've. It's part of growing up in Australia. You need to learn to play sport in uh, in flip flops or thongs. I mean, I played many a game of cricket in the street with the rubbish bin as the wickets, uh, wearing my flip flops. So my kids do that. They just have the flip flops on, and I'm like, you go, you're going to be walking. And they're like, fine, mum. It's no problem. I'd be. Cr- I don't. My physio bill after walking just around the shop in flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, super quick one. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. Yeah. Favorite path or trail in the world you'd like to run, ride, or hike? So, I've got a couple that are just close to my heart. One of my favorite trails in the world is actually part of UTMB. It is the trail between the Batoni Hut and the Banana Hut. In, yeah, such a good trail. That is unbelievable running. It is so beautiful. It is, unfortunately, most people don't see it because it's in the middle of the night for them and they're just come out of Cormay Air and they're very cold and they're about to go over Grand Cold Parade. And they so, hate life because yeah. it's between. Yeah. Oh, such a long so, way from the finish too, but that is, so beautiful. That is a beautiful trail. There is also... Um, a trail on the east coast of New Zealand called the Hillary Trail. Uh, it is named after Sir Edmund Hillary. It is 100 kilometres long. And I've run, I think it was parts section seven and six, and that was some of the most stunning running I've ever done. Uh, just cliff faces and beautiful vistas and, yeah, just unbelievable. So that is another trail I would love to go run again. Um, and then there's a bunch of, there's a tiny town in the middle of nowhere in Australia called Forest with two arts it's an ex-logging town and they've revamped it they put in a brewery and of course everyone started going there yeah. and they changed the old logging trails to uh, mountain bike trails and i used to go out there and run mountain bike trails when i was in medical school i was living in a town nearby this is about two and a bit hours from melbourne so middle of nowhere um yeah. and i used to go out there and run and i've run you know many many 30 kilometer runs out there without touching the same trail single trail through kind of quasi forest oh, old logging trail it is just stunning. So those are my answers. Awesome. You passed the test. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Just, I mean, we touched very briefly on um, on Super Sapiens, their message, what they're trying to get out there. But now I think as well, when people listen to this, you'll see people wearing the patch, uh, either on TV or maybe just in passing. Um, Go if you're interested in it, go and check out the Super Sapiens website web page or on Facebook, uh, or give Gary and I a shout on the Facebook page. If you've got any questions or give it a go, buy one and um Search for the, on. uh, hashtag super sapi tan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> for sure. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Uh, Thanks, yeah. Steve. People Thank interested, you. they can obviously email me. Uh, my email is all over the internet. It's just david at supersapiens.com. Uh, we've got, as I said, Discord channel, Facebook athletes group. We've got a podcast with some athlete stories and obviously some science as well, uh, where I'm one of the co-hosts. So if you're not sick of my voice yet, then by all means, you can listen to more of that. And then the blog, which has got athlete stories and, and articles on how to use Super Sapiens and you know the effects of things like alcohol or altitude or all these things on glucose. So really appreciate it. Cool. So much data. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, David. Did we blow your mind, everybody, with all that science? I mean, we went real highbrow, didn't we? With uh, all that. If you want to have a go, I would thoroughly recommend, like, 
trying this. It's not something perhaps you need to invest in, like once you wear it, you need to wear it for the rest of your life, but there's time and places. Yeah. It is quite an expensive investment. So if you're thinking, I'm not going to pay for that, we've got the answer for you. Super Sapiens have very kindly given us six patches. So two winners and you get three patches, which means, which is what we got, which was perfect because the first patch you wear, you go, I don't understand what's happening, what's going on. And then the next patch, you like, you get it, you can read more of the data and you can understand it. And then the third patch, you're really, you're using that data. You're analyzing it. You're working. Um, and so, so here's a chance for you to jump on board the, the sugar train and uh, have a go with one of these patches. Super simple. I'm going to put a post on Facebook and we want a story, not a picture this time. We want some effort put in this time, guys. Uh, we want a story of your biggest ever sugar crash during a race, during training and its consequences. Uh, and then therefore why you should have a super sapiens patch. I mean, I've had some pretty low moments. I think my worst one was when I was an Ironman out training. Have I told you this story, Gary? No. I did this specific block before Kona and I did a four hour ride with an hour runoff in the heat of the day. And it was the end of a training cycle. I was tired already. Uh, so four hour really hard ride, get off. And my coach was with me and he was going to bike the hour with uh, nutrition for the run. Uh, I got in the zone. I put my music on, ran off. He got a puncher on his bike and was shouting at me and I didn't realize. And I just <laughs> ran on thinking, anyway, I ran on for a couple of miles thinking because he was just riding behind me and I was just like totally yeah. in the zone. Uh, and he'd gone. I had no fuel. I was absolutely oh. depleted. I ended up licking my arm to get the salt off my oh. arm. <laughs> and then I had to flag down some cyclists <laughs> and just ask them say please look i'm really sorry can i have a sip from your bottle because i think i'm gonna die uh had i been wearing a patch at that time there would have been some very low moments yeah i'm not sure wearing a patch would have helped, <laughs> but i definitely that was the lowest i think i've ever been sugar salt dehydration have you ever had a have you ever had a bonk gary no no i'm just trying to think back actually and the only times that I remember where I've really bonked is when I, years and years and years ago, when I used to cycle to work and not really when I've been running. Um, I don't remember anything like that. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting something or blanking something out. But yeah, as a cyclist coming home from work, typically I would have to quite regular, I'd be cycled straight into a service station and smash about five Snickers because I just totally... <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> I just get on the bike and about four miles into it, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I don't feel uh, too hot here. And then I'd see the little shell sign or whatever it was and I'd be going straight into it. But yeah, as a runner, I don't remember. Um, obviously, you know, silly little things when I've been commuting and stuff like that. Um, Charge got me up a few holes, but uh, yeah, no, no classics, no big stories like yours. People are going to have some big stories and then the comeback story. And when you do refuel, when you've been that low, it's never tasted so good. Those counts. Mm. But people uh, know me as a runner. I have a bit of reputation for managing my food into quite well. So. Yeah, you do much better than me, I think. Competition closes 7th of October. I'll put all the deets over on Facebook on Friday. Race is coming up. Big one. Pilgrim's Way Ultra. This is this sounds like up your street, Kerry. Uh, the starting point of this epic run is Holy Island, the birthplace of Christianity in England and a place of pilgrimage since 635 AD. Following mile, ooh, mile after mile of sandy beaches. I hope you've got your gaiters on. With ancient castles as a backdrop, the route heads south to Craster, finish for 50k, then on to Rothbury, finish for 100k, before eventually arriving at Heaven Field. Oh, it's a lovely name for a finish for the 100 miler. 
Um, uh, it's not too hilly, quite runnable. I've done it. I I did it years ago. It was called St Cuthbert's Way. No, not St Cuthbert's Way. St Oswald's Way. Um, and I did the, which is a short version of this, was pretty much from Holy Island to Craster, and then the other people went on. All the way, I suppose, to do the 100 kilo. I'm not mile. sure I'd be happy about that for the, as a 100 miler finishing and you, you finish, they, they they peel off. Yeah, you could see us all having a drink, you know, smoked kippers and stuff like that. And they kept going. You No, you you keep running. You keep running. But this is a different race to what I did. So uh, it's, it's I think new to me. Yeah, there's lots of races that run along there, I don't know. But this sounds Ooh. quite a good luck if you're towing the line to that one. Well, so we got, oh, we've got the Lakeland Four Passes, 19 mile circular route with all the over 5,300 feet of ascent, which starts and finishes at Rothwaite Village Hall in Borodale. Oh my goodness, that's a lovely uh, part of the lakes around Durham Water. So, yeah. Oh well, if I was over there, you know, 19 miles is a good, it's a good day out. It's not going to actually wreck you for the whole of next week and 5,000 feet of elevation. That sounds like a pretty honest time on the fells. That yeah, that does look awesome. And Rostwit, I mean, you will have been down there, but it's just a lovely, lovely spot on the way to Honest uh, Slate Mines and all that kind of part of the lakes. And also, I noticed. Um, not familiar with this route or race at all, but down the Norfolk coast. We see how we like to spread it out, Eddie, from north to south, Norfolk coastal marathon and half marathon. That takes place this Saturday. So, yeah, some awesome um, races going on at the moment. Uh, best of luck, everybody. So, how many races this week, Eddie? <laughs> God, I got to do two, Gary. <laughs> So the normal race tonight, just what it is, Eddie, just what it is. And then my team, well, then it's a team time trial next weekend, next week. So they said, let's do a practice race on Thursday. Oh, no, all that anxiety again on another day. Uh, So we're going to have another practice on Thursday. But I have to, I like that. I'm going to say, look, we need to, that's that's just a practice, guys. Eddie's legs are not going to take because last week, I was still tired on Thursday. Um, Hopefully they'll all feel the same way. Uh, We have your WhatsApp group, so it's pinging away. On a Facebook group, I have to mute it because otherwise it just gives me more anxiety of all the chat, of all the tactics. I'm like, guys, I'm just trying to hold on here. There's no tactics. There's just pedals until your blood comes out your eyeball. Uh, weather here it's gorgeous it's cold really cold in the morning even even middle child put a coat on that's how cold it starts going um they hate wearing their coats to school because it was one degree this morning when i take to school and then by the time i pick them up it's 19 degrees so they're like yeah they bring out all their jumpers and their coats but if their coats are at school the teachers make them put their coats on and so they're like don't let me I don't want to take it otherwise I have to put it on and it really messes with my football game uh, <laughs> so it's lovely so I'm looking forward to at the back end it was a done all this bloody biking getting out for some lovely when I can use my nasal passages again some lovely sunny long runs and then this weekend we've got the football lotto with the football club um, which is like a bingo basically and I have to sell the sandwiches. So that's the highlight. I mean, that is the highlight. That's how exciting life is getting around here. We have had the kids all measured for ski boots and skis. It's getting real, Gary. Can you believe oh, yeah. it? Oh, my life. Christmas before we know it. And you know what Christmas means? 
That means it's almost the spine. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, when it clicks into 2023. I tell you what, I've got two new bits of spine news and then I'll then I'll we'll wrap this up. I've got my handheld GPX. It's come, it's arrived. Start working with that. And I have started packing my bag because I am going, I'm working on where I want stuff, what I want and what bag and stuff. And probably next week I will start some packing some backpacking with my bag and the weight it's going to be quite the anxiety i know most kit checks there's a lot of anxiety involved but i imagine the spine kit check is another do you do level. If you fail, you're in edale like i wonder if they've got a shop there lick 100 is like you know it's like a little supermarket so if you do forget yeah, something, I would imagine much- like i hope by the time i get to kit check i'm all probably it's all like they can't I can't feel anything because it's all tried and tested and it's all yeah. there and what would be wrong she said but if you forget something that's always there oh, I'm pretty sure all my kit is good but if you just rock up and you I'm going to be with the Martin Consani's Debs has got a whole shop I've been in her house she's got like boxes of Tupperware <laughs> and she's be like Debs Sammy you probably give me some Scott stuff <laughs> do you think I was wondering this um when obviously the spine is very real but do you think you'll ease off on this team cycling on Zwift or you'll carry that all the way through in this training? No. So I've already said to them that September's great. I think it's a really good time for me to do this sort of stuff. It keeps it, mix it up. It means I'll cross, cross training more as well, because we yeah. all know I have a penchant for too much stuff. So, and then October, we have the kids half term, so I'll be away a bit anyway. So I will probably still do some, but less, not every week, not twice a week. I'm just, I'm just feasting on it this month and then I'll back off a bit. Uh, I'm hoping they get a bit easier so it has less of an impact, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, well, it's easier. You just get faster. I don't. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> what uh, What you got coming up? So yeah, it should be three times 12, 20, 20, 20, three times ten. But we got cross country on Saturday too. So definitely one of those sessions will go for the race. And unlike yourself, Eddie, I'll run cross country like a threshold run i will not rinse myself to try and get in the medium pack (laughs) i'll know my heart rate if it exceeds 160 then that's that's i'm in trouble um i hear you i hear you brother (laughs) i just can't stop it (laughs) so i'm not too sure so cross country for me it's going to be like i don't know just probably just over 40 minutes um so if i think of those three sessions there then maybe the biggest session of effort is the three times 12 uh what 36 minutes of effort so maybe that one would go and be replaced by the cross country but i mean i suppose the 2020 the end of that is this kind of threshold zone which maybe does mimic more i'll get from cross country i don't know anyway i'm not going to do all three of those and cross country but what I'm going to struggle with, because I'm marshalling up with Trail Outlaws in the Spade Adam, which is an awesome, um, it's a military base, maybe X, uh, might be live, but they've got lots of um, military memorabilia there, old vehicles and rocket launches and stuff like that. So make some awesome race photographs. But yeah, I volunteered to go up there this Sunday and I'll be marshalling, which obviously is awesome, volunteering. We all should do a bit more of that. But that's going to proper cock up my long run. <laughs> Sunday because not, can you run there or is it too far? No, it's too far. It's quite a way away. Um, I'm not exactly sure where it is. Ray's driving. Uh, so yeah, I'm either not, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I've got two day of the year. I'm not invested in that from a racing point of view. 
don't want to burn all my matches for at Hellvel and then need like a month to recover from it. So if I don't do a long run one weekend, um, about a little like middle of the week, a Wednesday, you know. Well, it probably looks like Wednesday is going to be my session, and then Friday. Yeah. Well, possibly then Friday, but then I've got Saturday cross country. If I do it, I do it. Yeah, yeah. How how it fits in, I'm not too sure. But I might not do a long run this weekend um, because of in with all that with the cross country and with a session yeah. like if you look at it like okay i'm taking away some of the volume that i'll have gone last week but actually the intensity is going to be even though you tell me that you what the cross country you'll throw in its threshold there still is all the other stuff that goes into it as well yeah. well they it's the race admin it's all the things still remember race, you say Gary, pins, so. still <laughs> race. I, you, weren't you the person last year that took your gloves off in cross country for the photos yeah so. I give myself serious i was nearly crying people had to take my shoes off for me because i couldn't I couldn't work my hands, but luckily it's quite mild uh, as far as that's concerned. But yeah, that'll be to come. Yeah, you're right, actually. T-shirts and gloves and short shorts for the photo. No gloves and short shorts for the photographs. But yeah, that's my week. We'll see if I squeeze it. Maybe, you know, this is interesting. So maybe um, I did a midweek long run with some surges like I did on Saturday. That could be one of the sessions. Jesus, you need to read Killian's training focus. (laughs) (laughs) But that is it. Yeah, that's for me. I don't think anything else is happening. But I'm really looking forward to... It's so good when you volunteer and you watch other people race. Literally, you get the buzz <laughs> and not the sweaty pits. I get all my snacks, so it's so it'll be awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody, who joined in our most recent competition over on Facebook. I love this one, Eddie. Dogs and shoes. Dogs and <laughs> shoes. Right. 76 comments on this. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was like 1,500 people reached the post, uh, got, which is quite impressive. But yeah, some awesome shoes. And it was, yeah, loads of interviews, but lots of Scott shoes out there too. Big love for Scott over on uh, the Facebook group. So it's not just me. I have this kind of love affair with Scott shoes. Yeah, loads of other people too. But yeah, I've got my favourite. You got you picked a winner? Yeah, you go first. Okay, well, Mark Thackstone got it for me. It was hard. Oh, my goodness. It was so hard. There were so many great pictures out there. But, yeah, I love Mark's uh, picture with his German wire-haired pointer, Wilmer, showing off these ultra Lone Peak fives. I think we're on the Lone Peak six now, Mark, so you need to have a... Quite a lot of ultra fans as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, maybe if it's it's hard, it's not really fair to say they're a niche, but there is and not as, uh, they're not as presence out yeah. there. But when you, you love them, you love them. Yeah, you do. They're like your kids, right. basically, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> My winner was Adam Round in his Sikorni Peregrine. I was a I was a big Sikorni Peregrine fan until they changed the model. But here's a Sikorni Peregrine 12. Then he writes, not only Ace Around the Lakes, but took me to my second best time at Swelldale Marathon, where I met Gary from the podcast, Listen ever since <laughs> but i love the color of the peregrines are like this yellow against the uh against the lakes background of that sort of it's at the turn the mountains look like they're just turning into that sort of autumn color i like the contrast of the colors it's looking at the photos too we have to give a big shout out to all the dogs in those in those pictures we can't pick all the dogs winners but if we could go and have a little um scroll through if you're on facebook a bit later we had boo the pug <laughs> 
Yeah, goodness me. We had Wilma, your favourite. We had Mila, the German short head pointer, of course, place in my heart for all GSPs out there. We had Poppy. We had Lockie, another German short head pointer. And we had Jason. Uh, You didn't put the name of your dog. You're so busy talking about your trainers, but a shout out. So thank you. Thanks to everyone who entered the competition. Uh, Adam and... Mark. Adam and Mark, give us slide into our DMs, either on Run to the Hills or our personal Facebook pages, and we will send you a box of Cheer Charge goodies. Right, enough about us, everybody. Get on, do your own sessions wherever you are, driving in the car, running along, listen to this. Hope you have a great week. That was episode 108. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Cheer Charge for continuing to support the show, sending bars to guests, competition winners, keeping Gary and I fueled in our adventures and generally being an all-round super support to everyone out on the trails. I'm Eddie Sutton. And I'm Gary Thwaites. And let's run to the hills. (laughs) 